This is Artwork Play Podcast, special uh, season two, uh, uh, opening opening sequence with a uh, your Assassin's Creed art history lesson. Um, we're here in front of Notre Dame uh, with Assassin's Creed uh, Unity, released in 2014. Uh, what do you what do, uh, do today's Johnny's at the Reigns? Um, what do you see here, Jonathan? Um, well, we're, the focus is on both the the character's head, but uh, in the foreground, but then behind him is uh, Notre Dame Cathedral. And you see uh, bits of paper like tidying up toward the top of the towers of the cathedral. Yeah. So in Assassin's Creed Unity, um, you are in the middle of the French Revolution. Uh, and currently, John, if you would just uh, walk a few steps uh, back, you'd see a crowd has assembled in uh, front of Notre Dame. And um, they're burning a few effigies or something there. Uh, but uh, this this uh, Assassin's Creed edition of the... Uh, of the, the the brand is um, which uh, the brand of Assassin's Creed, which is like a histor- it revisits histor- historical uh, moments um, in time through uh, video games, and you're usually an assassin who gets to do cool parkour moves over all the enemies of of time, as um, well as uh, throughout like um, monuments and like famous places. It's sort of a tourism. Uh, it's like a it's a it's a tourism game where you can all, you also kill people, <laughs> murder tourism simulator. And uh, this particular so this is this is from 2014. This game's a little older, um, but it came back into the public's mind over the past year uh, with the burning of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. So Jonathan's just walking around the perimeter of it right now in the game, uh, but this large cathedral uh, was. Uh, of course, caught fire in April of this year, and um, some of the things we were seeing on Twitter uh, in the aftermath of its um, semi-destruction uh, was the fact that this this uh, video game, uh, although the cathedral was now closed for um, an undetermined amount of period, uh, you could uh, Ubisoft had uh, the company had allowed people a free week. Of, of access to this Assassin's Creed uh, particular title uh, in, in an effort to sort of allow people to revisit uh, the monument before, uh, bef- as, it, as it was known. Yeah, uh, this game was made by one of the older and largest uh, video game companies, uh, Ubisoft. Um, and it's notable that they made it because uh, they're based in France. Uh, they um, started in the 80s out of the, uh, the born out of a fam- family wealth from um, agricultural equipment uh, manufacturing. Uh, uh, some siblings got together and, and decided they first started working in software for building agricultural, um, for their agricultural 
equipment side of their business and then um, realize that software is a big thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge in the 90s. And so they started a game company in order to incentivize developers to come work for their game company. They bought a castle because, of course, they had a bunch of uh, agricultural equipment manufacturing money uh, in order to entice developers from around the world, the best developers or whatever, to come. So uh, people came and worked in, in this castle. And then the company itself went on to start studios, Ubisofts, all over the world, uh, notably in Montreal, the, the, the biggest one, but then there's a large one in Toronto as well. I think I saw, I just saw online that 600 people work in Toronto for Ubisoft, and it gets a lot of money from uh, governments. Um, so in fr- the, uh, the, the donation that they gave in France um, uh, to, to repair the church uh, was Notre five, Dame Cathedral. Yeah, to repair the cathedral after it burned down last spring um, was $500,000. Assumedly, uh, some sort of ta- you can get some sort of tax write-off from that. And um, they also get a lot of money from the Canadian federal government uh, um, in the, all the provinces that, that they're located as part of sort of like Canada's um, desire to be a place for tech companies to... Um, come to <laughs> to sow their hopes um yeah and and yeah so this this particular uh this particular game uh unity was uh mainly created in the montreal studio of ubisoft um notably uh this this model itself was created by a single uh developer caroline muse um, over the course of two years without even needing having to see uh, the, 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 or having seen the cathedral. She was working from tourist photos. Um, and interesting enough, then there was, uh, when, after the devastation uh, happened to the cathedral, um, people were uh, sort of, or in the, games, in the game development community, there was a lot of buzz to, uh, remembering this cathedral and suggesting that perhaps the fact that the company had built this, cathed- this virtual cathedral could potentially um, result in it assisting somehow the restoration of um, the rest restoration of the the physical cathedral and uh so when when we when it burned down uh the three of us we were in europe at the time we were specifically in berlin uh at the amaze games festival showing our work uh ginkgo and um so i guess i was i was in the same time zone as all the live feed of the burning um and it was pretty (laughs) it's intense um but uh i was start really like because we were talking, we were we were showing our game Gigco, which is of course about um, like lab- uh, labor conditions in these emerging uh, t- uh, fields that are like uh, uh, have a large. They're like not necessarily new industries, um, but they have uh, l- less protections than or no protections comparatively to the industries um, that. Uh, preceded them you, uh, you mean like tech tech workers? tech workers specifically or people who are like like amazon factory workers like working in a factory isn't necessarily oh, right. new um but it the because of the way that uh amazon exists as this kind of like new techie corporation um they're able to like 
uh, avoid some of the the mandatory like protections that other industries who uh, have had uh, workers sort of organize underneath and demand uh, rights. Uh, they they don't have those protections. So I was thinking, of course, the game industry is notoriously um, non-unionized, uh, and the Game Workers Unite has been uh, since 2018 really trying to fight and promote um, solidarity among its workers um, towards a, a more, towards some sort of uh, protections. Uh, and I was kind of wondering, cause I had, uh, I, I'm full disclosure, love Gothic architecture, um, uh, but specifically also sort of love the aspects of um, Gothic architecture that it, uh, had, they had the way that it, the, the labor was organized, not necessarily one, uh, a fan of, of repeating medieval uh, division of labor, but they, there, were, there was a guild system uh, set, in power, set in place at the time, which was sort of a, a proto-union um, uh, in you know, 12th century, uh, 13th century Paris when this uh, cathedral was being built. And um, the Gothic architecture really represents um, for uh, art historians, for architectural historians, for even like labor historians, perhaps um, a, 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 a material, material evidence of a certain form of labor organizing where uh, when there was um, a, there was, there, there were these projects um, such as cathedrals, which would take hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and the knowledge of how to build uh, these cathedrals was um you know, you couldn't just write it in a book and send people to school. Instead, you had to had to figure out ways uh, to which path you had you could pass this knowledge down. And so, really, Gothic architecture became um, like it, it's the material evidence of like the guild vehicle of of uh, spreading knowledge um, through its the craft workers investing in future workers in the health of them, uh, like the sustainability of the uh, industry, uh, whether it be like mortarers plasterers, stone cutters, but like making sure that there's um, a new force of able-bodied workers who could continue to work and then teach the next generation. Like, um, don't fucks with an innocent laborer. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to bail my bale of hay. <laughs> Just trying to bail my time. I find him very patient. He's <laughs> just waiting for you to play out your silly impulse. <laughs> Before you can go back to his uh, animation loop. <laughs> so John's work actually walking around the cathedral right now um, around one of these examples of uh, technological development that was brought about by um, the system of uh, of guild of guild labor, uh, which is um, the the uh, flying buttress, uh, which really characterizes. Oh, here goes John up the wall. Neat. Uh, there we go. He, we've got some beautiful flying buttress on buttresses on one. John rode a pulley <laughs> up the side of the edifice to land where the flying buttress, buttresses attached to the wall. On the gamified Notre Dame. <laughs> um, so yeah, of course the. Yeah, the, the cathedral as we see it represented in this in the in the game has been um, altered 
uh, in significantly in order to make it quite fun to jump around on. Um, but to here, to two parkour. But here we have some, uh, yeah, the the flying buttresses, which while super fun to climb on, also um, allow our new development at this time because they allow the force of the walls, um, the stone walls, of course, to be uh, spread out over. Um, a larger, like a larger surface. So with pr prior to uh, Gothic architecture was um, in Europe specifically was the Romanesque style, which uh, took, took some inspiration from Roman imperial style, um, but lacked the mathematics and the uh, imperial like regulations engineering and regulation that uh, Rome had where every single brick in like the Roman um, in, uh, empire was a specific size, which ensured uniformity, but also like, <laughs> but also was a, then you could like calculate uh, weights and such. So they had a certain um, measurement that was consistent across uh, the empire, uh, which allowed then and yeah, and, and calculate. Therefore, you could do like calculations in one place, and they would hold up in another. Um, with the fall of the empire, uh, and this from the sacking of the Visigoths in 410 A.D. Um, or uh, Common Era, as more more tastefully referred to, um, they people did no longer have this. Um, were no longer forced to use the same uh, standard of measurement, uh, which resulted in a, a bunch of different kinds of ways of figuring out how to build a wall tall and strong without it having to fall over. Now, um, in Paris in the, tw in the 13th, 12th century, when this was being built, had its own, um, its own system of measurement uh, for commerce, specifically if you're selling a bolt of cloth for a, a certain measurement, you want to make sure that the guy who's selling it to you has the same idea of how long that measurement is um, as you're paying for. Uh, and and um, the with the Gothic architecture, uh, the flying buttress allowed for walls to be built much taller uh, than previously possible and thinner as well and distribute the weight. Uh, so really, without it all, you know, falling down, because they didn't, they didn't have a, a, any sorts of ways of being able to tell that uh, this would fall, a cathedral would fall down until they really uh, executed it. Um, and so, so they so jumped, how did jumped that, out the wall. <laughs> so how did, how was that, like, um, why was this sort of uh, continuum of knowledge that the guild system represented important for this technology? Uh, so the guild, the guild system, which like has often been maligned, um, or at least since like Adam Smith wrote his Wealth of Nations, he believed like the guild system was really this chokehold on technology um, because it didn't allow for like the market to innovate. Um, but the uh, but recent, so like oh, for over 200 years, uh, uh, the guild system's really been like looked down upon as something that's like um, it's it's old, but it's also really like uh, a real a form of uh, oppression. Um, but there's a, there's more material evidence, like firsthand accounts um, and and documents from this time period. Wow, are you going to jump off? Uh, <laughs> land in a friggin' hay mound that you always yeah. Do. <laughs> That'll be fine. Um, First-hand accounts it, it suggests that actually there were a lot of um, protections um, put in place uh, for specific industries um, that would uh, 
as I previously mentioned, like just ensure people uh, were, you know, workers with this specific knowledge would not get uh, burnt out. Like you had to, you would could only work for a certain number of hours per day. There were penalties that you would have to pay to the uh, guild if you or your employees um, would uh, work for longer hours. There was very, uh, they had their own unpaid internships as apprentices, but they would be um, uh, fed, clothed, sort of like housed with the master apprentice uh, or master master craftsman. Uh, and then at a certain time, they could no longer be unpaid after they'd spent a certain sort of like four or six years, uh, depending, of course, on like the city and stuff. You would, because uh, uh, the, the guilds were usually uh, focused in urban areas. So it's not like there was one guild um, across um across all of even France, for example. But uh, uh, each one was is broken up into different things like chain forgers or nail makers, or uh, as I said earlier, for the sake of Notre Dame, like mortarers and plasters and stone cutters. You see, uh, you, you see in the, with, with the maligning of the guild system, the same sorts of uh, uh, myths, uh, in this case, historical, as opposed to the sort of union myths that you see trotted out um, con contemporarily, Robert Ford, uh, Rob Ford comes out and says, teachers, we're not going to give you a dollar more while the teachers aren't out on the line um, asking, like, their primary concern is not asking for more money. But when Ford comes out and says, we don't want to offer you more money, it invokes a, a well-established uh, myth that unions are only about asking for more money. And you see this, this maligning of the guild system you kind of suspect from the outside that there is a, a similar sort of echo here. There, the, the guild system did take advantage in certain ways, like uh, like apprentices would. Uh, I, I remember reading Johnny Tremere uh, as a grade schooler, and I think he was a silversmith. And you, you hear as an apprentice the ways in which he was taken advantage, and he gets all of the grunt work and that sort of thing. Uh, and that's kind of like... A, established tradition. I remember uh, when I was working on a construction site and uh, the this older fellow pulled up in a bulldozer and he goes, oh, would you would you like to have a run at the dozer? And of course, as a you know, 17 or 18 year old, you go, yeah, yeah. And then he throws you a track shovel and he's like, well, clean out the tracks. That's the first job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, I mean, there's, there was, there's advantage taking and then there's paying your dues. Um, uh, so it's it's not as if it's I'm not arguing that guilds were always entirely innocent, but it it, it does kind of make you suspicious of, uh, for instance, Adam Smith um, maligning the guilds in that way. I like what you're saying, Kat, about the the um, the cathedral being like material evidence of labor conditions. It's interesting to see that in uh, kind of like the late medieval period, the, these kind of like useful uh, uh, workplace hierarchies have been established in a way that protects uh, protects workers. Um, you brought up Amazon uh, fulfillment center workers. Um, and uh, it's like fulfillment was already a part of industrial redistribution, but under contemporary contract laws, those fulfillment center workers are are viewed in a new way. These laws like athletically re-territorialize old work, but in many ways the work is just very much the same work. Uh, and it's it, it kind of like gives the lie to 
these jobs as being uh, unworthy of being well remunerated or protected uh, in the way that uh, they ought to be uh, because you know you see that there's like literally this uh, centuries old tradition of uh, uh, even more menial tasks being protected yeah mm-hmm. and those those contracts that are like partly facilitated through apps and and like new technologies but in themselves are like probably the most important innovations for these com- tech corporations that oh, they're exactly, able to make yeah. all these people just work on contract mm-hmm. but like then comparing that to the guild systems it's like at least there is the people who are involved in the work are making some more decisions about the work how the work is being done versus like a contract which you can have no say in and mm-hmm. I, I think mostly i was because of course you're uh, I'm not suggesting we all return to a medieval state. Of, no, no, uh, we can clip that out. And, like you can make you say, you can be made to say exactly that. Oh no! <laughs> I think mostly I was suggesting we all return to a medieval state. But I was just coming at the uh, coming at the research. So uh, intrigued by the like this this discovery of uh, you know. You have this image of like these Middle Ages. These uh, the history, of course, paints it as a much darker time. Um, yeah, the dark ages. This, <laughs> uh, because of the fault, like ev- again, we're sort of seeing this lens of history through uh, the people of uh, the people like Adam Smith, who want um, to suggest that the you know the the wonderful capitalist future uh, and the previous imperial system of Rome empire and capitalism are like really the only, the only good things we ever had. And everything in between is kind of a big, dark, big, messy puddle. Um, but yeah, just sort of re- uh, discovering some of these, um, like actually, like the actual, uh, uh, documents listing how much people would have to be paid, the sort of expectation, like the, uh, uh, contractual obligations of, um, someone hiring a guild person, uh, a, like a guild member, um, and, and like, oh, how much, uh, how, when, when they, knowing that, like, there was a very standard, uh, working day, uh, these, like, you know, th- these things are things that have been fought for, um, after uh, with the after the industrial revolution and um i mean and prior before but just we have we have an idea of these things being much more recent developments um in history um and again we like see them toppled with the advent of giants like amazon and um uber being able to find ways around things that had previously been very uh very strong uh uh like working uh, unionized industries, I but guess. Not, but but the new industries, ma- mainly the uh, the one that went into making this game and mm-hmm. like the other tech industries that surround it, uh, have also done a good job of making sure that uh, workers would remain um, precarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, of course, burnout is such a huge um, issue. Uh, the click with. Uh, game industry workers like peop- there's a h- very high turnover because um the working hours like in crunch time uh can get very long or crunch time just exists forever of course there's the permacrunch permacrunch of rockstar studios as they as it was kind of um reported earlier uh 
was it the, no it had to be last year I, I mean not like 2018 with uh, Red Dead Redemption no I think they came out last year oh it was 2019 yeah. uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 um, that yeah crunch time was had just become a normal time of course and there's a lot of diff- uh, some different accounts and Ubisoft the actual company that uh, produced Assassin's Creed does not have the same um, sort of uh, controversy. Yeah, all the other big it. companies uh, just fire yeah, fire all of their like non-lead staff after every project. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, then if if we want to compare it with uh, with um, like the medieval cathedral project, uh, the medieval cathedral project would be this like massive project, kind of like a jobs program for a city um, that would bring in lots of workers. Um, lots of ca- uh, lots of trade and cash uh, because of to sustain those workers, um, but and and people would no longer uh, be employed like at the end of the cathedral. But that cathedral, it would be- maybe be like the great great grandchildren of the people who had initially it would be started. built for generations. It would be built for generations, and there'd be generations of people employed, generations of people uh, spreading uh, the knowledge of how this is built and the. Uh, in in forms of style, in forms of new technology, such as um, like the buttresses. Or do you want to look at some cool pointed arches for us uh, yeah. here? Yeah, because this <laughs> when is this game set, Kat? So this game itself is it's set in um, so it's it's much after the uh, the the cathedral is built. It's set in the uh, French Point, Revolution. Where are the, where are the pointed arches? Pointed arch. Well, uh, if you inside or any of the okay, windows, cool, cool. yeah. I'll jump off that. Door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we if all you, know that's what you were building up. <laughs> Get back up there. Um, oh my god. There's a pointed arch. So the this this game is set in the French Revolution, um, which is. Uh, end of the... Uh, 1789. Yeah, there you go. Okay, 1789. So much after the... Uh, ooh, here we go. Jumping off the cathedral into... Perfect swan perfect. dive into a bale of hay. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, we're seeing um, these French peasants and um, par- Parisians um, sort of in front of... Uh, congregating in front of uh, the cathedral, uh, with inside the cathedral, uh, famously having become sort of a bastion of the um, uh, for the revolutionaries. So, and when was the cathedral built? The cathedral built was built uh, starting in sixteen, uh, or sorry, eleven sixty uh, until like thirteen forty five. Um, because it, I mean, there was yeah, it took a long time to complete. <laughs> Do you think that the, the tricolor project? really would have had such prominent place in the cathedral? It was it. It was a symbol, a big symbol of the revolution, right? The cathedral but, was. Uh, uh, the, no, the, the tricolor, right. like a symbol of republicanism. But maybe it's a bit uh, so of a, for that reason. But also, um, well, that's what I'm wondering if it's like a bit of a romanticization. Yeah, yeah, because people didn't have wouldn't have had the same ideas about like patriotism or like. You know, na- nationalism, and, and, <laughs> as we do now. Yeah. And on that note, the of course it's the the French the French Left Party themselves had um, something to say about um, the representation of the revolution in this video game because, of course, there's some uh, large liberties taken by the company in order to make 
um, the the game uh, something an interesting narrative that revolves around a single a single heroic figure of the uh, you know protagonist playable character um, specifically just things more like uh, making uh, Robespierre uh, seem like a bloodthirsty animal or <laughs> much more like uh, just out to kill a people a big villain um you know just sort of dumbing down some of the more complex realities of uh <laughs> the, the situation for um a good a good fun uh, uh assassin them up uh video game yeah which is so is sweet in a certain sense because it's just kind yeah. of like it's almost like oh honey did you miss like all of hollywood ever yeah wait a minute they're making your historical figure either good or evil that's (laughs) that's giving you pause when there's um there's a quote by the uh i I have the um we have a book by robespierre and there's an intro um by zizek to it and this is like what does zizek have to say about it He's in. He's like, yes. Yeah, sometimes Horses. we need. He would. Sometimes we need to be terrified. <laughs> but um, I just remember there's this one quote that he has when like uh, one of the former presidents of uh, uh, communist China, like in the nineties, uh, but like or a, com- a communist official in in China, when asked about like what he thought of the French Revolution, said, "It's too soon to see. It's too soon to tell." Rather, <laughs> I love that. I, I think I remember that, but I do. I. I do so love that. The, the feeling I get from that is like part, I mean, it is sort of like that. I could imagine. I mean, it's, yes. he is, he is like fundamentally uh, a killer of many people. Well, no, I was going to say it is a lo- lo- lived history probably for, especially in France where the left is so strong. Uh, and like, I would imagine that they, they're like, uh, they are not as like, uh, cynical, cynically ironic as like North American left people tend to be. And so I, I think, can imagine course, them having a sorry and themselves not at all guilty of perhaps romanticizing what <laughs> might have been going on there. Like, I think it's yeah. always it's all well and good and easy for people to say, "Oh yes, well we have to line them up on the wall, get them to the guillotine." I, like I have bourgeois guts, if I'm quite frank. Like I, I mean, this is the problem with uh, with capitalism. Like I like. Uh, a lot of these things are quite preferable to the gulags. Like a lot yeah. of like, I don't actually want to sub- submit to <laughs> the the kind of like scrutiny of what, uh, where my investments lie in my soul and where therefore I should fall out in the pecking order when, uh, when the revolution comes. But that's, it's synonymous for chaos in like wider culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like just the idea of revolution. And it's really easy to paint, that there's just the tropes for doing that with the French Revolution are very easily identified. <laughs> yeah, like in the same way that, you know, uh, for the purpose of like suggesting a broader narrative of progress from uh, that uh, that Adam Smith does with like the maligning of guilds and the, the champion of free market capitalism, uh, the, the French Revolution like can, can be like looked upon as like, uh, or has, has, Chaos energy. Has, has chaos energy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's like well to the to some to someone like Adam Smith, it would more so be like the bubbling up of the like the mob. It's mob mm-hmm. like it's yeah, it's, it's just mob mentality. But also, it's like inevitable. It's like an inevitable part of the American democratic progress model. 
If it's not for if it's not for the barricades, that then uh, there is no tea party. No, the thing with the the thing with America though, and like this is Edmund Burke's big thing, is that um, revolution in America was a good idea because there was not a previously existing uh, like uh, monarchy. <laughs> Basically, it's like because no European well, in fact, power controlled. But yes, they yeah, did. exactly. But in his, because no European power controlled that place yet. Because they literally it was like had same. American Democrats in France who came back and ministered yeah. the French, the American Revolution. Oh yeah, Benny, Benny, Frankie, Lynn. Yeah, uh, Mister Mister Sexy Man. Um, he he was like the he spent a lot of time in Paris during this at this point, but the idea being that like it can't revolution can't happen in France because um, you can't restart you can't hit the reset button if, too far uh, gone <laughs> your game is too far you're f- too far into the game. <laughs> So far, you've pointed out as aspects of Gothic architecture um, the flying buttresses, uh, which support the colossal walls of the cathedral. Um, and what other does it do? Other parts of this cathedral represent like innovations in Gothic architecture. And then how does it? Because com- like Gothic architecture is always being compared to architecture from Roman times, right? Mm-hmm. So how does this? Com- how does the innovations that may be present within this technology? Um, how do how do people compare them to uh, like Roman times, for example? Yeah. So Gothic architecture, the, the name itself is a derogatory term um, that was assigned later by. Uh, art historian uh, Giorgio Vasari in, uh, in the Renaissance and it was specifically uh, to, t- to outline the fact that it, ha- it was outside of the, the Roman imperial um, sort of standards of, of architecture so it, it was it, Gothic refers to those Visigoths who uh, uh, sort of sacked Rome it's like akin um, to calling it savage almost Exactly. Yeah, and uh, and and it's, it, but not savage in like twenty eighteen <laughs> nineteen speak. No, no, no. I was thinking you were. I, th- I was thinking you were talking about like like uh, racist uh, indigenous. Uh, yeah. But no, no like you, the good but you kind. mean like twenty one savage. You mean yeah. <laughs> like, like the, the gift with I Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yes, it's 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 exactly the it's the intention of of sort of erasing that time period's accomplishments. Um, it, uh, sort of calling it out as something that they wanted to uh, uh, forget. <laughs> it was a regression, and they wanted to forget it uh, because it was it was this uh, yeah it was gothic. It was of uh, they they considered the goths a barbarian tribe. Um, so, so Vasari said that. Yeah, Vasari said that, and he says this at the Renis- during the Renaissance, where there's this huge uh, the Renaissance, its name coming from this rebirth, this re uh, revitalization of the uh, Roman imperial knowledge and um, standardization. And, this, and yes, uh, well, I they, they access that they access some of those. Um, <laughs> knowledge bases for lack of a better word um they 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 sort of 
uh, access some older documents, specifically about architecture, um, ways of, you know, measuring how something, how tall something can be before it falls down, um, uh, which, you know, as, as, as these these flying buttresses attest they had some idea of how that worked but not written in latin so how long after um the cathedral is built do they come up with the term gothic as this derogatory uh, put down over like around three yeah so if the building's built in 11 or starts being built in 1160 i think uh lives of the artists uh which is where this this or one of Vasari's um uh, books. I think it's yeah. It's in sixteen sixty. Vasari's were one of the f- people who like sort of invented the modern discipline of art history, right? Yeah, or is it? It might be fifteen fifty. Uh, but it's it's in the in the, <laughs> that's a big that's a big time difference. But uh, it's it's a firmly um after. Uh, yeah, firmly after this has gone out of style, this a gothic style has gone out of style. Um, but of course, of course, then that doesn't that doesn't really acknowledge. I mean, it doesn't acknowledge the uh, uh, the this the this vernacular architecture that has been developed in the with these uh, sort of more local ways of knowing uh, that are entirely dismissed. Uh, specifically, of course, then like yeah, completely ignoring. Um, the way that the the guilds were able to develop these uh, these new techno- these new technologies um, that even surpass the Roman imperial knowledge of architecture. For example, John on your right hand or left hand side above, or I mean, I guess it is your right hand. The character's right hand. <laughs> <Stage> right. <laughs> you're, lo- <laughs> you're looking at that big window, that big be- uh, big large glass rose window, um, which I think they did manage to save. Uh, in the fire. But if you look above that, you see the ribbed, oh, it's a little dark there, but you can see the ribbed vault. Um, So this is something that really is a characteristic of Gothic architecture that actually improves upon um, the previous Roman style uh, barrel vault. Uh, it, It improves upon it by it uses less material. Uh, it's a little bit light, so it's a little bit lighter because it's still using stone, um, and it allows for higher ceilings uh, because it's it, it it's it's like a it's ribbed because it literally has like ribs with stuff uh, linking them together, and so it allows for the weight again to be redistributed for so you can build taller, higher, stronger walls, um, and then also makes. Uh, you can make build these ceilings a little bit taller to let in a little more light. And then if you look down just a little bit, like what connects with the ribs, uh, the ribbed vault, you see the uh, pointed arch, which is another uh, sort of icon of, of of Gothic architecture. The instead of the Roman arch, which really was just like this half circle, as you can, the the rose window is a is a Roman arch around that around that circle because it's a circular window. Um, the point by pointing the arch and putting the keystone, uh, creating the keystone as like not as a as as a, like a circle, but as like this point um, allows for a little bit more light to be let into the cathedral, uh, which is a really big deal, of course, because um, it's you don't have electricity. You uh, when it's dark inside, it's it's dark. Their books <laughs> don't glow. They don't have screens <laughs> on them. You have to. You need an external source of light. There's no backlight on illuminated. Despite the name, illuminated manuscripts are not lit. Not backlit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you, could you, what do you mean, or could you give some examples of um, what the vernacular means in terms of architecture or how it's expressed here? Uh, yeah, I mean, vernacular um, 
in my use as sort of referring to more of this, like the local, this local, uh, uh, the way that this style develops um, th- regionally, um, specifically Gothic architecture in its time was referred to as Frankish work um, so, or French work. Uh, so it really, it, it had, it had a particular uh, region that uh, it, it was developed in, of, the, of course, with the nature of guild work um, or any any crafts trades work in these particular, in the construction trades, uh, would have travelers uh, or would have the workers travel great distances often uh, in order to find work because like, yeah, that, that, that cathedral might be might be a building site active from like 30 to 100 years. Um, but then once, you know, once you've built a cathedral, you're likely not get the people aren't, or the, the you know, there's not going to be money to build another one right away. So you have to travel. In fact, it's not like you're like Starbucks in every corner, <laughs> cathedrals on every corner. I mean, eventually, yeah. The, the, although Apparently um, Russia this, was like that. although of course this this isn't on that note this is actually this isn't the first gothic cathedral in paris the the more uh an earlier cathedral built in 1130 uh, is the saint denis cathedral which is just six kilometers away from this spot um but it uh the this the notre dame cathedral iterates much on this development and of course you have a whole one like you have a whole generation of workers um between uh the construction of the cathedral and like or like the 1130 uh saint denis cathedral and the start date of notre dame um but uh you also have then these uh, the travelers traveling to more uh regional spaces like more the countryside of france to uh you know more eastern to the eastern sides of um of like the the french kingdom and of course then going up into england as well as um that as that territory was contested um or the french territory was contested uh so vernacular I'm, i'm just using this term in order to sort of like uh, talk about versus like the Im- the empire the imperial style of Rome uh, to really like to uh, to acknowledge that there was a lot of like freedom uh, not free perhaps freedom's the wrong word but the the style was developed um, not like according to uh, a centralized uh, power in in the center of an empire yeah it had a lot more to do with like local what was available locally in mm-hmm. terms of labor or materials or tools i think i think it would be fair to uh think of it as a kind of like uh primordial deviant art (laughs) 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 it's like every every masoner had his own little style (laughs) (laughs) um and 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 i think well yeah well gothic itself is like uh in its name is inherently uh, like a, with its name being inherently an, a derogatory term, uh, but it it itself um, sort of reveals something, or it's it's people. Um, it's looked back. It, it, it's been studied upon late uh, by more recent historians since Vasari let's say more recent I'm being a bit generous like John Ruskin an English um an English art historian in 1853 uh he's he uh looks uh back at gothic at the at what was what gothic architecture produced 
um, and, but specifically looks at the material uh, like evidence of the cathedrals and then um, looks uh, and and how and the the, the division of labor of those of that society uh, and then compares it to his own period where neo-gothic or gothic revivalism um, was uh, taking taking that were like taking hold it was like the latest style it was real hot um, so but, what's that and and that's just like neo-gothic the way that it was constructed is through um, like fa- uh, factories uh, factories of people working to produce the uh, the characteristic ornamentation that that came with gothic like or with the original gothic sort of um, you know having like all these uh, there's a lot of like nature um, there's often like elements of nature have been carved into the flutes uh, of like uh, the the or the uh, the capitals of columns. If you, you right underneath, you can actually see one of these sort of gothic things where they've broken up a, a column into like these three smaller columns, kind of trying to emulate um, nature, specifically trees here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the yeah, so there's like foliage that makes its way into the ornamentation. There's so much ornamentation in comparison to. Um, uh, the in Roman imperial style, which either if it's in like antiquity or in the Renaissance, um, and they, and then that and that ornamentation um, is then in neo Gothic uh, architecture is all produced through the factory. Um, so specifically, um, he he was looking at the way that, of course, workers are in the fact the English factory conditions the worst, for being the treated the worst like height of uh, yeah. Uh, like industrialization in in Europe, where uh, which Marx was looking, Marx Fr- and Engels Friedrich, were Friedrich looking Engels at. was was owning one of those factories at the time <laughs> and learning a lot about it, mm-hmm. learning a lot about the working. Fi- I think what's interesting class. though is that like both in the neo Gothic uh, uh, labor economy and in the historical labor economy is that all the workers, both men and women would wear black lipstick and black nail polish. <laughs> <laughs> Their hair was huge. Really big. And they, they would be like screaming the whole time. No, they would be singing mumbling. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Boys don't cry. The bass well, lines were sick. <laughs> those big bass lutes. <laughs> Face lutes. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so. That's what Re- John Ruskin really is pining for in his famous essay, "The Nature of Gothic." Um, <laughs> in 1853, he, yeah, he's re- he really uh, is looking back uh, with a positive view on, on on the formation of the or the the formation of the guild system, the way that the work existed then. He says. Um, Choose whether you will pay for the lovely form or the perfect finish, and choose at the same moment whether you will make the worker a man or a grindstone. So he really believes um, in this case that like the really abhorrent um, working conditions of people in England producing these tiny little ornaments for these perfect uh, these per- these perfect gargoyles, I guess, uh, or however they may have been represented, these perfect little gargoyles for their uh, neo-Gothic um, style were, was very in, in, inferior in the sense of just like ha- of how these people were being treated comparatively to the uh, guild system of the Gothic, uh, like OG Gothic style, or, or just the 
original gothic um, <laughs> the OG style uh, where they're these workers had maximum working hours. They were, uh, you know, their employers would be fined um, if they were found working outside of that. And specifically, like, you know, you couldn't, you know, child labor, uh, maybe, like, I mean, people get their sons to work, but at the same time... You just get your son to work on your farm. Yeah. <laughs> there so was... You wouldn't have to go off and work in the factory. Yeah, there there was some pretty bad stuff uh, happening in, in industrial England, uh, in industrialization. Eyes, Europe. Uh, Eruskin, uh, again addressing the reader, uh, look around this English room of yours, examine again all those accurate moldings and perfect polishes. If read rightly, these perfectnesses are a sign of slavery in our England. We've much studied and much perfected of late the great civilized invention of the division of labor, <laughs> only we give it a false name. It is not truly speaking the labor that is divided, but the laborer who is divided into mere segments broken into mere fragments and crumbs of life. The great cry that rises from all of our manufacturing cities, louder than their furnace blast, is all in very deed for this, that we manufacture everything oh. there except human beings. <laughs> all in very deed. I mean, it's interesting. I, I too love, busy being human doings. <laughs> I really, <laughs> I, I I do love his flourish, his passion gusts come through. Um, when he's specifically referring to uh, this emerging discourse of like the struggle of the working class um, that, you know, Marx and Engels are bringing up. Yeah, uh, it must have been very obvious at the time. <laughs> well, it's interesting because there's like some of the stuff that he's saying specifically about what is lost by producing uh, some of these decorative elements uh, in industrial contexts. It sounds a lot mm -hmm. like William Morris. Yeah, that's absolutely. Well, William Morris that. is um, is is uh, is yeah. He's 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 a bit later, but uh, they're basically like in contemporaries. The same yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Very close, um, but yeah, heavily inspired. Um, I mean, he, for example, like this just sounds like William Morris here. He's uh, Ruskin saying that the the way to address these struggles of the working class is like it can be met only in one way, not by teaching nor preaching. For to teach them is but to show them their misery, and to <laughs> preach them is to mock at it. It can be met only by a right understanding on the part of all classes of what kinds of labor are good for the workers, raising them, making them happy by a determined sacrifice of such convenience or beauty or cheapness as is to be got only by the degradation of the worker and by equally determining demand for the products and results of healthy and ennobling labor. So, so of course, then uh, William Morris, he his entire uh yeah, his life is dedicated to create to um, the like fostering not only uh, craftsmanship, highly skilled craftsmanship, but very, uh, just pay that paying workers and like giving them labor labor conditions that are not going to uh, kill them and allow them to have a sort a bit of agency in the kind of work that they're producing. Yeah, not just a fa the stamping like the factory. Uh, mold. William Morris was a big thinker and designer of the arts and crafts movement mm -hmm. and writer. He as was well. the origin, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, the arts and crafts movement sort of treats the workers as artists in a way, right? And it's a lot uh, about it's a lot about worker dignity. Like I think, like that, yeah, that yeah. Like we have, I mean, even in the goth, like in the the idea 
of the artist is really it's it's a modern night it's a modern conception because like we have this a certain amount of freedom that is given to these the they're referred to as like master builders of cathedrals yet their names for a very long time are not written down because uh just uh, it's it's not like the at that period it's not architecture is not an art it it that it it becomes that through um through the through the renaissance with the revitalization of like uh the imperial like uh vitruvius's like seven book texts on architecture or whatever like when there is this like heavy precedent of imperial uh uh evidence for like raising architecture to be to the to the level of art of uh, a fine art um like we uh like the people who who are who are work they're they're workers in in this society, but they are workers who are allowed a certain amount of dignity through um, through protections. <laughs> um, if ever there was an episode uh, that would benefit from you checking out the Twitch stream or the uh, kind of like document the residual document, it's YouTube. It's YouTube on YouTube. Too. Okay. So we, we originally stream it on YouTube and then it's documented on YouTube. This would be the one to check out. We will put the YouTube uh, link in the show notes. Um, uh, I guess if people want to see the Twitch, they kind of have to follow the Specwork Instagram because we never really yeah, announced it on the, on the uh, Twitter, eh? Yeah, I'm less into the... Uh, like, the Twitch seems more hassle than it's worth for the amount of... Um, Attention that we I'm can get to do a it. plug though. Don't, yeah, don't dude, don't me. fucking cut it up as Ben's <laughs> trying to like do the jaws of life on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Twitch myself. <laughs> Subsidiary of Amazon Twitch.tv. You heard it here first. Well, so um, an Oculus, like, isn't that guy like a big Trump supporter? We're just oh, yeah. let's mm-hmm. we should actually start designing chairs. Uh, you wouldn't be the first. Uh, yeah, you sure? You would be. You'd be in a long line. <laughs> honestly, artists, honestly, are, like I'm looking at government subsidies right now uh, uh, about uh, education for becoming a welder and education mm-hmm. for becoming a blacksmith because I'm just like so tired of <laughs> yeah not earning enough as a college professor. Wait, is blacksmith like a, a thing still? Like, what would you make as a blacksmith? Horse hooves for the call horses. No, it's just like it's like it's like basically, uh, it's like um, artisanal fabrication. It's actually very uh, kind of Portlandia of me now that I think about it. That's what I've I've, I've like seen. I've seen blacksmiths at at farmers markets selling like very expensive wrought iron fence decor. Well, it's, uh, a, it's a fabrication thing. I mean, the like kind of it, and it can lead. To, it's like it's something you can do in connection with welding. Cool. Yeah, William Morris would love it. Mm-hmm. So, John. Uh, my friend, were, John. <laughs> my friend, John. Dear John. What do you have coming up um, for you? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, so, we're releasing... Uh, I'm playing a game that I've been working on for two years now called uh, Tower Fantasy. And it's like an artist's attempt to make a first-person shooter game. Um, 
where the sort of the I'm trying to explore the subtext of, of mo- all video games such as Assassin's Creed which we're playing like all AAA video games like this but then especially first person shooter genre video games which is this idea of um, the the ways in which um, they craft a power fantasy uh, for the uh, people who are playing it and every design decision within the game exists to make you feel powerful and so that I tried to make a game that's about that where you does where the point is to make you feel powerful but also um, try to take away some freedom in different ways of what the player can uh, do and I, I, I wanted to make it a bit obvious um, uh, the ways in which game design makes you feel powerful the way that it makes you feel powerful is by limiting the amount of decisions that you can make. And then further, uh, there's... Um, and rewarding you for following those uh, the predetermined rules. decisions. Yeah, so yeah. And, but, Very strong. Good man. But Good it's, man. It's, it also involves a bunch of um, algorithmically generated uh, music um, uh, that you can download on Bandcamp as well if you go to jonathancarroll.bandcamp.com. But where can you download the game? And then you can download the game at towerfantasy.app. So that's, how do you spell that? T-O-W-E-R. F-A-N-T-A-S-Y. Or if you go to... If you could also go to specwork.itch.io and that will have that game on it as well. But hey guys, tune into the stream next week for another episode. <laughs> anyway. Um. That was a good place to end. Okay, stopping the recording now. Um, can I, I have two bits that you probably want to cut both of them. Can I say them though? Yeah. One is uh, rib vaults. It's like imagine somehow thinking about like a condom, but it looks like a, uh, it looks like a, a, a gothic tower or something. <laughs> yeah, that is what it looks like. Okay, second. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Second right bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's as much as we got all the gas we could of that. Um, Vasari, like must have been you know wrote seven books, must be able to jack off pretty fast.